We're starting chapter 4 of Ephesians. It's quite a while now. And uh, we're getting ready to jump into the second half of this book of Ephesians. I'm kind of excited about it, making our way through here. But before we move on, I'd like you guys to consider where we've been. So those of you that have been in Ephesians for a while with me, I want you to consider where we've been. Because Ephesians chapter 4 starts off, he says, I therefore, and he's talking about himself, Paul, prisoner of the Lord. And so he says, therefore, right? And so this therefore is a big kind of therefore. It's kind of a looking back over everything, okay? This is a kind of a big scope therefore. Because we just had it, chapter 3 ended with an amen, right? And so therefore, okay, because of everything that's happened. All right. So I want you to take a look. And you can cheat. You can look back in chapter 1, chapter 2. What are some things that you picked out of those first three chapters? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't give you any preparation notice here. But uh, uh, what, are, what are some things out of those first three chapters that maybe you picked up on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's powerful. Yeah, good. Anybody else? Anything else stick out from the times in Ephesians? Been in it for almost a year, right? September, I think, is when I started. So not quite a year, but uh, anybody else? A year for me, because I'm a teacher, so I think years in September to May, right? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of summarized that first half of the book is how big is your view of God. Because it really paints a really big view of who God is and what he's like. And I would, I would dare say that some of you, if you just sat down and you read Ephesians chapter 1, even if you just read up to verse 14, you might be reading some things and then you go, that's God? I didn't know he was like that. That's not how I think of him. I mean, there's some things in a chapter, chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 that might just... You know, blow your mind a little bit if you let yourself think about what's being said. Okay, so that's good. In fact, I'm going to stem off of that and, and say, as you, if anybody else has anything to add, you can still add stuff here. But uh, uh, you may start to notice that from chapter one to chapter three, there's very little. In fact, there was uh, there's only one place in particular to think of as an actual command, like do this thing. And it, we we talked about that one thing. Do you remember what the one command was that we ran across? Remember what it was? It wasn't even really doing something. It had to do with thinking. Yeah? Yes, remember. There was one spot in there that says, remember. And that's the very first command in Ephesians is remember. And let's see, where was that at? There, there you go. Chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember, right? And Paul says, remember this. And if you go through, that's the first time Paul actually tells the Ephesians to do something. He says, just remember. 
right? The first time in that, that dwelling on thinking about this, but there's almost no, I mean, you go through all these chapters, there's, the first two chapters, there's almost no commands of what you should do. It's almost all God has done this, and God did this, and God blessed us this way, and God was amazing this way, and God was really big and powerful in this way. I mean, it just keeps going on and on, talking about who God is, what He's done. Even some things that kind of, your brain kind of hurts thinking about it. When Paul's talking about things from eternity past, before time kind of ideas, right? We, we just can't hardly think about that kind of stuff without getting a little bit of a headache. I mean, but yet this is what Paul is talking about. And so all this stuff about who God is and what He's done... And Paul's built up all of this. And so here is this amazing God that we serve. And so then you get to chapter 4, and Paul starts off this way. He says, I therefore, right, Paul, is, who's talking, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Now, let's think about this for just a second. Walk in a manner worthy. Worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So the calling to which you've been called kind of echoes chapter 1, verse 18, where Paul says the hope to which you've been called. I mean, this idea, this calling to which you've been called is, is saying your part in all of this big thing that God has done. Walk worthy of that. Let me add a little bit more to that. Worthy meaning the same weight, same worth, worthy, right? It literally is a word that means the same weight. So measured out what God has done for you, your place in that, I want you to walk or live. When we say walk, it's talking about your, how you're going to live. I want you to live worthy of that. I see you guys are sitting here going, I feel like he's wanting something from us right now. Maybe maybe it's just me, but when I think about what God has done, His absolute, supreme, sovereign control of the universe, working out salvation, including the perfect timing of Jesus Christ coming to the cross, the, the sacrifice, what Christ did for you on the cross, His genuine love for you. Even though you were dead in your sins, it says in chapter 2. Right? You had no redeeming qualities. God did not save you because He thought, you know, this one's special. No. God saved us because He was special. And we're supposed to live worthy of that. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you right now. I had a whole spell of time and it's kind of been building. And when I got to this passage, and then yesterday, it just the weight of it just landed on me. And I thought, I, I was having kind of a John the Baptist moment. John the Baptist said, his, his straps on his sandals, I'm not even worthy to do those up. And I'm sitting here thinking, Paul's telling me to, to live worthy of what God has done for me. He's urging me to do that. And so I had a whole span of time where I'm just sitting there going, I'm, you know, and I'm not, I'm not telling you this to try to profess some kind of 
false humility. I mean, I honestly got to a point yesterday where I was like, I shouldn't even, I can't, I don't, I couldn't even formulate sentences. I was so stumped by this. Because I thought, I, the, there's, a, there's a genuine weight of the burden of the gospel. That this is the thing. Right? This is, this is the thing. is Christ. And we're supposed to live worthy of that. That's the urging Paul has. It just seems unachievable to do that. I try to live worthy of much smaller things and I fail. I try to live worthy of much, much smaller things and I flop. And yet Paul is saying, I urge you to live worthy of Christ and your place that he has for you in this this calling he's got. It just seems insurmountable to me, unachievable. How can I do that? We're going to come back to that thought in just a minute. But first, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to look at Ephesians in kind of a broader scope. I've already mentioned a little bit of this. The, this book kind of is divided into two parts. We have the first three chapters and then the second three. The first three chapters, as we've talked about, is all about what God has done. The second half of the book is about how to live. In fact, you could summarize the entire second half of Ephesians with the word walk. The first time, now the, the word walk shows up once early on in the book. Uh, if, you, if you just look to see how many times the word walk shows up in the New Testament, Ephesians ties with one other book. Six times does it talk about how you should walk. Right? In other words, how you should live. In Ephesians, five of those times show up in the second half of the book. So it's a very interesting breakdown. So here you have in the first half everything God's done. And so the second half is about how you should then respond to all these things that God has done. Here's how you should walk. And so the first time is actually in chapter 2. I'll mention that in a second. But in the second half of the book, we have this first one here. Chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul says, walk worthy. And we talked about this. The second time you see the word walk is chapter 4. 4 verse 17 where it says don't walk in a futility of mind in other words don't walk in an emptiness or a vanity of mind a pointlessness of mind he says like the Gentiles don't walk like the Gentiles walk don't walk in an emptiness of mind right a mind with an emphasis on the thinking uh, the third time is chapter 5 verse 2 where he says be an imitator of God and walk in love like Christ and so in chapter 5, verse 2, Paul says, walk again. Chapter 5, verse... Uh, turn my page here. Chapter 5, verse 8, the fourth occurrence of this walk is walk as children of light, Paul says. There's an emphasis in that little section about not walking in darkness, darkness being the deeds, sinful deeds is specifically what he's talking about. Don't walk that way. He says, walk as a child of light. And the last time it shows up is also in chapter 5, verse 15. Paul says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And so we think, walk wisely. And so here's this conglomeration in the second half of this book about how we ought to walk. And there's a real connection there between, okay, the first half, this is what God's done, and there's a connection in then how you should then walk. What's this, what's, what are we to th- take from this? Well, Let's go back to chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. I'm going to turn there. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Now, 
Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 are, is a passage of Scripture many of you have heard a 100,000 times. Some of you have heard this since you were a small child. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Don't you love that? You're saved by grace alone, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, this faith. It's not even your own doing. It's, it's a gift of God, not of works, right? As the King James says, lest any man should boast. Or as this one says, so that no one may boast. I, I can't tell you how many times I heard that as a child, as a young person. Oh, you, for by grace are you saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, but the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? You are saved by grace through faith, and it's not by works. In other words, you, people going out and doing good deeds is not what saves them. And so we can really nail down a, a, a simple idea in here. It's not good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. That's not how it works, is it? You're not saved by works. Works are not the things that are the saving thing. It's grace. It's faith. Okay? But verse 10, we don't ditch works off to the side, and this is where context of a passage is so important. It's just like when we talk together. If you, you could take one sentence that I said, and you could build a whole idea out of it, but... Sometimes if somebody's talking to you, have you ever had somebody do that to you? They take one, one statement you said and you're like, did you not hear everything else I said? Right? So you can't just take one statement. And same thing with, with God's Word. We can't do that. And so if you go down to verse 10, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so here's this first time the word walk shows up in Ephesians. And so there's a real connection here between how you live is a life of good works, right? Your walking should be, as a Christian, a life of good works. And, uh, and it's definitely connected to that. But yet, at the same time, we go back, and, but it's, it's grace. It's saved. It's not by works. And so you begin to get this, this uh, kind of balance going on in Scripture of, well, you're not saved by works, but you're saved to work, but it's God that's given you this faith, and it's God has saved you. It's His grace that saved you. And, and you start to get this kind of like, okay, there's something going on here with this. There's a, there's a good works, there's a walking, but there's this faith, and there's this believing. And, and, and it, sometimes it can be kind of confusing in Scripture, because it's like, well, which one is it? Because there's definitely verses to talk about the importance of living right and doing right things. And there's passages that say, oh, these people will not go to heaven, these, you know, the, the sexual and moral and, you know, the drunkards, and these people are not going to go to heaven. You're like, but I thought it was about faith. And so how does this all tie together? It can be a little confusing until you start to understand where the role of these things play. And so let me turn to another passage. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. And in Philippians 2, we're going to get a really good picture of what this is about. And so let me turn over there real quick. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. If you want to look there, I'm going to put it up on the screen for you as well. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. I'm going to try to pull some loose ends together with this passage. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, right, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. What does he say? Work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. That's weird, isn't it? Work out your salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, 
don't like the sound of that. I mean, what, what is that talking about? Work out your salvation. How are you supposed to work it out? But listen to the next verse. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, this is an interesting verse, isn't it? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's God working in you. You see the connection between this one and this place in Ephesians where it says, you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There's this, there it is again, right? It's God working. And in fact, there's places where Paul goes, he talked about something he did and he said, oh, that wasn't me, that was Christ in me. Right? This explains why there's places in the Bible that says, hey, do this and do this and do this. But then there's other places that say, hey, God is going to do this in you. Right? So do these things. Because God's in you, you need to do these things. Do these things because God's in you. Right? Now, you guys are looking at me like, hmm, I don't know what to think about this yet. Let's dig a little bit deeper. Because let's ask this next question. Right? Let's ask this next question. What exactly are good works? What does it mean to do a good work? What does that mean? What are good works? Well, let me, let me take you to place in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, right after Jesus had fed a bunch of people bread and fish. John chapter 6, verse 25. So John six twenty-five says this. When they found him... On the other side of the sea, the Sea of Galilee, he had gone to the other side. They said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Right? What's he saying to these people? You're looking for me not because you saw... They're not even looking for him because they saw a miracle. They were hungry. He gave them some bread, and so then they were happy to find him again. Right? I got something out of this deal with Jesus. I want some more bread. And so they found him. They're like, oh, Jesus, when did you get over here? Oh, could we have some more bread is what's going on, right? Let's see what happens next here. He says, uh, lost my place. Uh, do not labor or work. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Right? Now, just a little side note. He's not at all saying don't be someone who works to eat. right? The Bible actually talks about that later. But he's talking about a different kind of work here. He's talking about trying to do what works. And you'll see that in what they say. He says, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Notice what he says next. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Right? What must we do to be doing the works of God? See, that's what they're thinking about. Right? What do we have to do to get God's blessing? So they're thinking work salvation type things, except they're just thinking small. They're thinking about bread. What do we have to do? What's the works of God that we have to do? And what's he say after this? Right? Uh, what, are, what are the works of God to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. That you believe in him and whom he has sent. So now, we're adding to our understanding of this God is working in you. And we're supposed to be working, okay? And we're going to do that by starting off by defining, well, what are we talking about when we say works? 
Well, according to Christ, works are rooted in, the works of God are rooted in, believing in Jesus. Now, you can't take that too far and say, oh, well, that means that as long as I just believe in Jesus, I've done the works of God. No, no. Let me lay it out this way, then I'll add to it. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to get right to the end of it, and then we're gonna, I'm going to add to it. Okay. In the world, you'll many times find people who are good people. Would you agree? There's a lot of people in the world that do really good things. They do good things, right? Those are not the works of God. The works of God are things that are done in faith. See, there's many people who might feed a homeless person. But they're not doing it because Jesus is their king. And they love him and they believe in him. Right? There's people who might say, I'm going to be obedient to my authorities. But they're not doing it because of a faith in Jesus Christ. See, just doing good things is not what it's about in the Bible. Because lots of people do good deeds in that sense. But the work of God is rooted in faith in Jesus Christ. You believe in Jesus. And the works that you do are rooted in those things. Right? There's this real connection between, between believing in Christ and doing these things. I'm going to show you one more passage that's going to... I, I feel like it's going to tie it together a little bit. And then I'm going to show you one after that's going to summarize it. I'm going to give you a passage that's going to tie it together. One that summarizes it. And then we're going to come back to Ephesians. So, the passage that's going to tie it together is in 1 John. And so we're going to, now we're going to flip over to 1 John. See, we're jumping all over the place. We're going to come back to Ephesians, okay? Um, we're going to go to 1 John. And the passage I had picked out was 1 John chapter 4. So I'm going to read 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 uh, through 12. Okay? It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And see, we have this idea, it's going to be tying these things together, okay? That believing in God, believing in Christ, that's the works of God. But to believe in Christ is connected to, if you really believe in Christ, what are you going to actually do? How does belief manifest itself, right? What does belief in God actually look like, okay? Well, if God is love, it's going to look like loving other people. Verse 9, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, talking about Christ, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Okay? Um, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected. In us, I thought about going, also going to chapter five, and I don't have a slide for this, but listen to chapter five of First uh, John. It says, "Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God." We, we, we've heard that idea before. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. There's a connection being built. Believing in God and loving other people are connected. They're inseparable. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. How do you know that you love the children of God? When we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. 
For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. See, it keeps going back around in circles, doesn't it? Faith, believing in God, doing these works in love, right? And this love is to, to believe in God, and it's, it, I mean, it's all tied together. So I'm going to take you to Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. And let me explain what I mean by that. Circumcision and uncircumcision, let's just use that. That was a a general way of saying anything that you might think of as a religious deed that might get you to heaven. So for you, it may not have been circumcision or uncircumcision. For you, it may be, well, when I was six, I prayed this prayer. Right? See, that's a work. You're, you're, You're saying, I think this work saved me. I think I'm saved because I did this thing. So neither, neither circumcision, doing a work or not doing a work is not what it's about. But what does Paul say? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only, here it is, see the three things? But only faith working through love. Do you see that? Faith working through love. And so now we need to go back to this. I'm going to leave this statement up here. Let's go back to Ephesians now. Because it's important to understand, when we think about walking worthy, walking the walk uh, that God would want us to do, as he said in chapter 2, to walk, right? Our walk was to walk in the works that God has for us. It's about faith, right? These works are about faith shown in love. Now, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 4, you see this again. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Right? Now he's going to go on from here. And as we go on through the rest of this book, when we talk about walking, we're talking about believing in Christ. We're talking about believing in Christ that wor- with a faith that works. And it's going to be connected all around it with loving other people. Right? We're talking about believing in Christ... Right? Faith, working, being shown out, and the way it shows itself, reveals itself is in love. There's a lot of confusion about that because you have a lot of people do, doing one or the other. A lot of people will say, why well, have faith? But there's no works. There's a problem with that, right? Because we're his workmanship. God is working in us. And that's why James addresses that, doesn't he? What, what good does it do to say that you have faith? And not have works. Can that faith save you? Right? On the other hand, the other side of the spectrum, you have people who say, well, I'm a good person. I do good things. Same problem, right? What's going on? It needs to be about faith. Not about works. And so, most, I would say almost every problem that you have in religion falls into one of these two categories or the other. Right? A faith that has no works or works that has no faith. And resting in one of those two things instead of a faith working in love. And you see that through the rest of this book. Nothing in the second half of Ephesians is important unless you understand the first half of Ephesians. That God has done it all. It's by grace and through faith. But this by grace through faith must be worked out in love for other people. In fact, you'll see that as you go through the whole second half of Ephesians... It's all about loving other people. This is how you could love these people. This is how you can love these people. This is how you can love these people. In fact, the very first thing that you can notice uh, in 
uh, in this is that he jumps right into in chapter 4. The very first thing he says, the very first important thing about how to walk. If you understand the gospel, what's the first thing that he talks about? And if you scan down to chapter 4, what's he talking about? Being a part of a group of believers and loving each other. We call it church, right? Being a part of that, being a part of a... But but I'll come back to that in just a second. Let me give you three applications that we can take from just this concept of walk and where we're going to go in Ephesians that I I believe is very important as we understand the rest of this book because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about that's very applicable. But if you don't understand that it's rooted in a faith in Christ because of what God did, you're going to miss the point. If you just say, tell me how to be a good husband and a good father. Tell me how to be a good wife. Tell me how to be a good kid. Tell me how to be a good employee. If you would just want all that stuff, but you don't understand that it's rooted in the gospel, you're going to completely miss the point. So we have to have that. So let me give you three applications. Okay? Application number one goes back to what I said at the beginning. Number one, we can have confidence in our walk. If you understand this aspect of Ephesians, of chapters one through three, before we start talking about how to walk, If you can understand it's all about God and what God has done before we start talking about how to walk, it gives you confidence. See, if you look at all the things you need to do as a Christian, it can be very overwhelming. If you let yourself understand all the things you should do. In fact, I wish wish it wouldn't take so long to go back, but I I will. Maybe I'll go back here real quick. Let me go go all the way back. You guys are going to be so annoyed at me for doing this. But let me go all the way back here. Uh, Let's look at this. We all sang this a minute ago. These words came out of your mouth. If you were singing. Refiner's fire. How many of us actually even meant what we said a little while ago? My heart's one desire is to be holy. Holy means set apart for God's purposes, right? Which is what it says next. Is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I mean, how many of us sang those words and didn't even mean it? I mean, just the simplest aspect about Christianity is don't be a hypocrite about it. And yet, how many of us sang those words and we didn't mean it? How many of us actually thought in our minds when we were saying that, God, my one desire in life, the one thing that reigns supreme over all my other desires, the thing that I want most is to be holy, set apart for your purposes, God. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master. I'm ready to do your will. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to do it. My one desire is that you, God, that I would be set apart for your purposes. I mean, how many of us saying, I mean, just think about the smallest aspects of of a genuine faith, uh, of a non-hypocritical faith, a faith that would come in and say something and mean it. I mean, just the smallest little thing. This is such a challenge to walk the Christian walk, isn't it? It's such a challenge because we, we, we know, we read, yes, we should do this, I know I should do this. Think about how many times in your life you said, I really know I should, but... Right? I know I shouldn't, but... Right? Like gossip, I'm, I'm going to gossip. You know, you're getting ready to share something you know is nobody's business. It's not even your business. You shouldn't even know about it. You're like, ah, I know I shouldn't tell you this, but... Right? I mean, just the smallest aspects of being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus Christ can be such a burden if you let yourself think about it. To walk worthy of what Christ has done. But you know what? If you begin to understand that it's God's workmanship in you, that the, the burden is lifted because you know, I, I'm going to do these things because I know God's working in me. I'm going to walk because, man, it's God. It's all God. It's, everything is about God. God is working in me. And I'm going to make choices to do what God wants me to do because I know God is working in me. 
right? I can, I can choose to do exactly what God wants me to do. I can be obedient to the letter because it's God. And like it says in John, by this you can know the love of God is you because it's not burdensome, he says. Ever you let yourself think about that when it's not burdensome to be obedient to God. So many people are like, I know God wants me to do. Oh, I hate it. You know, no. You're showing signs of a lack of genuine faith because if you really believe in God, it's not burdensome to do what God wants because you believe in Him. You, you, all of your hopes, all of your dreams, all of your desires are set in Christ. And so he says, do this. Yes, I'm not even worthy to, to do up your sandal. I'll do anything you want. Right? It's not burdensome to do what Christ wants if you really believe in him. But our faith is going to be working itself out in love. So let me jump way back ahead here. Let me see how fast I can go through these. Have I gone too far? No, no. There we go. So we can have confidence in our walk. As we look at how to walk in Christ, there can be a confidence. We don't have to rest in the burden of it. And I'll, I'll be honest, I, I have so much trouble with it because I start thinking about all the things that God wants me to do, and it can get me down. I mean, it can get me genuinely in the dumps. Uh, I, I had this last week, you know, walking worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And so sometimes I'll have people say, hey, could you speak? And so we, I, spoke, uh, I spoke at the spring formal for the, for the kids, and, and I get up there and, and I, I share this thing. I got done. I just felt like a total dope. I was like, seriously, that was the worst message that's ever been presented. In all the history of, of messages that ever been presented, that was the worst one ever. And in the room were, the, were several other pastors, and I was sitting there thinking, they were. I mean, this shows how sinful I am on the inside. I was sitting there thinking, they were probably all thinking, oh, that was horrendous. You know, they were probably just sitting there going, oh, brother, what is this guy doing? And, and I was just sitting there, like, wallowing in my own, like, sin about it, like, totally thinking about what they thought and what was going on. And so, man, I woke up the next day and I just totally down on them. I was like, God, I can't be this. I can't do I'm I'm dumb so often, Lord. How can I do this? And, and you know, then I started digging in Ephesians like, you know what? God, my call is simply just to be obedient and, and the results are all in your hands. Right? And there's confidence. I can say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to go to church at Edgewood and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach your word. And if it's great, if it's not great, I know that's what I'm going to do. But I know that if, if it impacts the heart, right, that's up to you, God. That's totally up to you. Uh, Paul, in, in one of his letters, and I wish I'd looked it up before I, I mentioned it just now, but Paul, in one of his letters, he, he came to them, I think it was the Corinthians, but he came to them and he said, he said, I did not come to you with eloquent words. Right? eloquent speech we can have confidence just to do hey I'm just just a servant I'm just doing what God wants me to do this is working itself out God is in me I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who's working in me so there's going to be confidence to do what God wants you to do because he's working in you Uh, number two our walk let me turn my page here our walk with God is intimately connected with our walk with other people. And you just can't read the second half of Ephesians without getting that picture. Right? Paul's going to talk about being a husband and a wife and how to be a good child and how to be a good employer and how to be a good employee. Paul's going to talk about uh, putting off certain sins against each other, like lying to each other and and sexual morality. He's going to talk about anger, how to stop being angry with other people and how to be patient with other people. 
right? Uh, this is all part of your walk as Christ, right? Walking with Christ. And, and, and then, but first, right, like I mentioned a second ago, chapter 4, he, t- he starts off, he talks about being, literally being a member of the body of Christ, being a, a productive, active, connected member of the body of Christ. I mean, you can't pull apart faith and loving other people. Faith is, is not meant to be lived alone. Faith is meant to be lived in a community. In fact, the very first part of this start, talks about be in unity. That's what we're going to talk about next week. There needs to be a unity amongst believers, other people who are part of uh, loving God. In fact, in 1 John, it says over and over again, love your brother, love your brother, love the other ones that are your brothers, love all these other people that are brothers with you, right? It's talking about loving those other people who are also followers of Jesus. Love them. Love believers. There's, there's something wrong when you have somebody say, I love God, but then you don't love Christians. <laughs> right? Christians are messed up people. That's true. That's meant to be. That's how it is. You know, that's, in fact, to be in the Christian club, you've got to be a sinner. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the, the first prerequisite of being a Christian is recognizing you're a sinner. You're not holy. Right? But it's about that. But faith is not le- meant to be lived alone. It's be meant to be lived in unity with other believers. Right? That's the first thing that Paul addresses in chapter 4. He says you've got to be part of the body of Christ. Finally, walk issues are ultimately faith issues. Let me explain what I mean by that. There's, there's a lot of people that... Um, will call uh, my wife or myself and, and need biblical counsel. They'll say, can we get some biblical counsel about this or biblical counsel about this? But you have to understand that walk issues are ultimately faith issues. Okay, You can't separate the fact that faith will be working itself out in love. That's what it's all about. And so whether it be something like in chapter 5 of Ephesians where Paul talks about um, to be a loving husband, right? Or uh, chapter 4, verse 27 Paul talks about anger issues, right? Or chapter 5, verse 18, Paul talks about drunkenness. Or, or, or um, uh, chapter 5, verse 19, we're commanded to be a, someone who sings, right? So lack of singing. It's a, uh, uh, or chapter 6, verse 1, being disobedient to parents or disrespectful to your parents. Or, or um, uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 5 talks about working harder when the boss is around than when the boss isn't around. Right? How about that one? Uh, chapter 4, verse 28 talks about stealing. Or chapter 4, verse 29 talks about filthy talk and, and lying and gossip or uh, you know, being a part of a, a group of believers. All of these issues that Paul talks about are ultimately faith issues. You're struggling in one of these areas and with sin in your life. It ultimately roots back to your faith. What do you actually believe? What do you really believe? Right? It comes back to faith issues. Walk issues, how you live, are ultimately faith issues. You can't, and, and, and I would challenge you, because I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of people that do not teach or preach this. But your faith and how you live are inseparable entities. Right? We're not talking about being perfect. We're talking about faith is shown in how you live. Because you do what you believe. You do exactly what's in your heart. Christ tells us. He says every sin that you commit came from your heart. Right? It all comes out of the heart. So you do what you really believe. 
and what you believe you're going to do. And so this is why we can come back and say, it's, it's God working in us. See, this faith that God has gifted us with, this change of heart, change of mind that we've had called repentance that's established and rooted in faith is going to be lived out. And so faith, our walk issues, how you're walking, what's going on, and, and the struggles you're having with how you walk are ultimately, when you dig down deep, it's connected to what you actually believe. What is your faith really in? Right? And you can't separate those things. Now, we're going to take a look as we continue on through Ephesians chapter 4. We're going we're to look at all these different things. And Ephesians chapter 4 through 6 are so practical. I'm going to tell you, stop doing these things. Start doing these things. You should do this, and you should not do this. And this is how you ought to live. And so... So much easier to preach through that part than it was to preach through the first half because the first half was almost no natural application. It's all about what God has done. But if you don't understand what God has done and the power that God has working in His people, then you'll look at this other stuff and you'll be so confused. You'll either think, oh, this is what I need to do and you'll just, oh, I just want to do this to fix myself and, or, or, you, or the other is, oh, I can't do this and and I just don't know if I want to do these things. I mean, you'll be so confused about the second half unless you understand the gospel. It's about God. It's about Christ and what He's done in you. It's about the power that He's put in you over and over again when it comes back to you. Okay? All right. Well, I'm going to pray. And as I pray today, what I want to pray most of all for each one of you is I want to pray, and I, I encourage you to pray this for myself as well. I want you to pray that we are a people right a community of believers that's going to say the bible is our authority and when it comes up to a point where as we look at all these applications how we ought to live how we ought to walk that we will understand that this is about our faith do we really believe what this says and are you ready are you ready when we hit the second half that when it comes up to it cuz you're going to there, there's going to be some things in the second half you're going to go piece of cake I'm already doing it Right? There's going to be other things you're going to come up to and you're going to go, I'm not doing that. And I don't know if I like that. Are you willing? Are you willing to be the kind of person that says, okay, if the Bible says this and I'm not doing it, the thing that needs to change is me and what I believe. And so I'm going to align myself with what the Bible says. What I'm not going to do is keep myself over here and either ignore the Bible or seek to reinterpret it to match how I'm living. Right? We want to avoid those things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to uh, ask you, Lord, that today you would help us as we come together in this church and we are banding ourselves together, we're tying ourselves together, Lord, to be the kind of people who are going to go to your word and read it and seek to understand it and then seek to walk according to what it says. Lord, I know that as we go through the second half of Ephesians, it's about how to walk, how to live. And Lord, I know there's going to be full of application, things that we can do differently, we can change in our lives, how we ought to live. Lord, I pray that you would help us be willing and ready and, and, and able to do those things and to, to align our lives with what your word says to do and to live and to act and to think. Help us to walk worthy of the calling to which you've called us. Lord, help us to walk in love. Help us to, 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 to walk 
uh, not with a futility of mind, Lord. Help us to, to walk wisely. Help us, Lord, to walk according to how your word teaches us to walk. And all these things, Lord, I just want to pray in Jesus' name. Amen.